We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Roswell in the 21st Century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Welcome, 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 welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and so glad you are with us, our loyal fans, with us once again, and that includes you, Dina. We are looking into all aspects of coincidences with people from around the world. 
Well, what is a coincidence? A coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events without apparent causal connection. The key phrase here is without apparent causal connection. The purpose of the Connecting with Coincidence book and this radio show is to make coincidence stories part of everyday conversations. As storytelling accelerates, people will find more meaning in their lives, improve themselves psychologically and spiritually, and help in solving some of the many life mysteries. Also, sharing stories about coincidences connects people with each other and to their surroundings. So tell your friends and your relatives your coincidence stories. I bet you'll hear some stories coming right back at you. <coughs> Our guest today is Josh Lane, who is the author of the best-selling book, Conscious Nature, The Art and Neuroscience of Meditating in Nature. Josh is a mentor of mentors, a skilled wildlife tracker, sharing primal awareness skills that help connect us to nature within and around us. His journey all, all over the last 20 years has led him to explore consciousness and inner potential through studies with mystics, traditional healers, martial artists, and shamans. Josh's vision is to help bridge the healing power of nature into the modern experience and enlivening creativity and well-being through a conscious primal connection with the earth. That's so important, Josh, making heal, healing, a, creating a healing power with nature, especially now. So welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, thank you, Bernie. Great to be here today. Well, you've... Uh, You've done some uh, interesting and important uh, connections with nature, and let's start with your your owl experience. I think that was a, a transformative one for you. Indeed, yeah. In a way, my whole life has been a trail of synchronicity, and I really started to wake up to that in my teenage years uh, when I started a meditation practice, and I'll share more about that. But uh, even growing up, uh, I started to find some connections with animals. It started just with stories uh, from my grandparents. My grandma had a lot of pictures of owls up in her house, and she often talked about them. And I always looked forward to her stories about them. And later uh, in my college years, I had a meditation practice uh, in nature where I had a set spot that I'd go to every day, and I sat under that same tree every day for about four years. And uh, one of those years, uh, just maybe a year into that process, um, I was getting into nature and wildlife tracking. And a friend of mine, uh, we were exploring in the woods, and they showed me a great horned owl feather, uh, a beautiful wing feather just that they came across. We went and saw that under a hemlock tree, and uh, I just spent some time marveling at this feather. And it had quite a presence to it. It was tangible. It was a, a mystery. I could feel tugging at me. And this was a, a great white owl. A, a great horned owl. Yep, great horned of, owl. Okay. Yep. So these are our largest uh, owl, at least here in the United States. There's a great gray owl a little bit further in the boreal forest. But uh, this is kind of a keystone predator here in uh, the United States and certainly in my area in New England. Um and they are uh, quite a presence on the landscape, and yet they're often unseen. Huh. And yeah, is that because they're around at night? Yeah, they uh, they come out at dusk. You hear them approaching the meadows to hunt uh, from their roosts, and uh, they're just very good at uh, maintaining invisibility. Huh. So you so, had the, so you found so you found this feather, and it had a, a had a presence around it. Indeed. It, it seemed to beckon me like it was calling me on a journey. I, uh -huh. I certainly felt this longing to actually see the owl. You know, could I see one of these majestic beings? Could I have a close encounter, uh, a meaningful encounter, uh, not just, you know, maybe seeing one at a distance or certainly I heard them often enough hooting away, but uh, could I get really close to one? Okay. So you set out an intention not only with your mind, but with your heart, because you were touched by the magic of that feather. And there you were, I'd like to see an owl, says Josh. 
<laughs> that's exactly it. The intention formed quite powerfully. And I started to follow up on it. You know, I think sometimes we have an intention and, uh, you know, it goes by the wayside. But this one grew in power. And I started to research the owl. Uh, I started to go through field guides and, you know, any kind of natural history information I could get to learn their behavior. And I started to look for where might they be on the landscape. I started to find the old spruce trees at the edge of the meadows that they like to roost under where you could find a whole bunch of owl pellets from, you know, just <laughs> years worth of roosting. And well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I started to get a sense of what they're eating. Yeah. I'd look through the owl pellets to see the little skulls <laughs> of the rodents. and I, Well, you thought, were really getting into it with skulls oh, yeah. of rodents. Boy, I mean, what you're describing for our audience is very important. You were putting a lot of psychic energy into the image of a great horned owl. Uh, you were becoming merged with it conceptually and emotionally you could experience what the mal was experienced by looking at the pellets and seeing what it had been eating mm, indeed yeah i was going deeper and deeper in and as yeah. i sat at my set spot i would also uh put out my peripheral vision really just gaze <laughs> at the landscape and sit there as if i was an owl you know what would the uh, <laughs> one of my mentors suggested? What it, what would it feel like to uh, feel the breeze ruffling your feathers? You know, and your talons gripping the branch there as you sat there. So I would do that every day as well, and this started to build. Uh, that's that's really a good practice that you were doing. Uh, so keep going, please. Yeah. So I I kept at this, and I started anytime I heard a great horned owl, I'd hear the. <laughs> off in the distance and I'd start running. I would just instantly start running towards that across the campus. Um, what campus was that? Uh, this was at Hampshire college, uh, in, uh, Western Massachusetts and, um, in the pioneer Valley. And, uh, you know, I'd get closer and closer. Sometimes I'd be running half a mile, quarter mile, and I'd get there, but the owls would have moved off by then. And of course I try to stalk in silently as I got closer, but Every time I got a little closer, but uh, no success. But what did happen was I started to really attune to their sounds um, and more and more to where I could really hear them. Just like if you were at a party and there's a whole bunch of noise in the background, but suddenly somebody says your name across the room, some part of you registers that. Uh -huh. uh, in that same way, my brain started to place importance on the calls of these owls and I could hear them from further and further away. Um, to the point where sometimes I could hear them when nobody else could. But if we got closer, they would be able to hear them too, which was quite funny. So this went on for a bit. And uh, one day I was walking in my sit spot at dusk. And I always sat under the Sam Red Maple tree by this little creek. But today I got this feeling in my body as I walked. No, that's not where I want to go. I need to go sit up on top of this dirt mound. And they had uh, excavated a little irrigation pond by the farm there and there was a big mound from where they'd done that that went up about 15 or 20 feet so I climbed up that I'd never been up there and I settled down to watch the sunset and no sooner had I settled down and all of a sudden a feeling came over me that something was coming and my body turned of its own accord and I looked over my shoulder and I locked eyes with this great horned owl that was at right at my level zooming towards me and it just brushed right past me. I could literally feel the air from the wingtips um, across my face as it passed me by. Just kind of it, it glanced at me, and then it continued off uh, into the red maple forest. So it was quite a powerful moment. Uh, we defi I define uh, coincidences uh, in three different with three different types. Coincidences are made up of uh, mental events and uh, objective uh, external events that come together. Uh, and, and that's one form of coincidence that I called mind object. And what you had done was build up a strong image in your mind of the owl, very powerfully built. And somehow that correlated on top of that mound with that owl coming to your head. How do you think that works? Yeah, to me, it is a, a process of building an energy around a question. In this case, it was this passionate desire to encounter the owl up close. And each of those practices helped me to build that. And I could really feel it building into a force, uh, uh, 
you could say a vision in a sense of like this is something I really really want to have happen and I'm and I'm moving that energy forward and then being at the right time and right place is the art form being available to have that happen which uh, happened as I walked out to the spot that day. I call it human GPS being in the right place at the right time uh, and you were able to follow intuitive guidance to get to that place. You it you felt it and you went there. We've come to the end of this first segment. We're talking with Josh Lane about the nature connection and synchronicity. He's the author of Synchronicity as a Rite of Passage in Nature. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third-generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jen E. as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Welcome back to CC with me. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Josh Lane about conscious nature, uh, the art and neuroscience of meditating in nature. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a kind of a neuroscientist. Um, where where is the neuroscience in what you are describing, Josh? Yeah, well, you know, just over years of being mentored in deep nature connection and wildlife tracking and then mentoring others in this art, uh, I started to see how people really created deep sensory connections with the landscape, with the animals, uh, with their sense of place. And uh, in the mentoring process, I became interested what is actually happening in the brain 
when we go through some of these processes. So this is what led me to research and to write this book, Conscious Nature, uh, because I wanted to know more about that. So this led me to pour into some of the neuroscience journals and information that was out there. And I started to see how this ancient mentoring model of connecting people with the land really matches up with brain-based learning and uh, with modern insights from neuroscience. Um, one of the biggest ones that I see used in nature connection is this uh, psychological process of priming. And yeah. you know, the classic example of that is if you close your eyes and picture a red stop sign or a red apple really vividly, and then you open your eyes, you know, look around the room, you might very quickly see something red. Um, what we're doing is we're actually priming the sensory part of our visual cortex with that image. And then we're making it ready. We're kind of activating that so that when we look around us, it's already primed to connect with what's there. This is a classic role of the mentor in nature connection to provide role modeling, to tell stories and to ask questions that help people to prime themselves in that way so that their dendrites are literally reaching out for an answer. They're uh, set and ready to connect with what the natural world has to offer. And that's well described, uh, very, very well described. And how does that fit in to say somebody wanting to do something with nature? Um, and I don't define the something. I'll let you do that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, the classic pattern is uh, somebody who's learning birding, for instance, right? And they've been, you know, outside, say they've lived in their neighborhood for a while and they're just getting into birding or they're learning a new bird. And uh, maybe they, you know, look up the red-tailed hawk in their field guide and they really get captivated by it and they're studying the picture. They see the red tail with that black bar at the end and the little white tip on the end of it. And they're looking at the patterns of the wings soaring and just imagining that. And then, you know, lo and behold, that week they go out and everywhere they go, they see red-tailed hawks circling over. And um, as one of my mentors, John Young, says, of course, those red tails have been there the whole time, but now they've entered that person's awareness um, because they've made a pathway to connect. Um, so that's a great example of just how using field guides helps us to connect with what's there. Uh, I'm going to apply that to psychotherapy, which is a lot of what I do. And there's priming for certain patterns uh, in the therapist's mind that are partly based on personal experience and partly based on clinical experience and partly based on what you what you have as a personal problem. And so you're primed to see it in yourself. You're primed to see it in other people. So that, that priming means that Jungian therapists see Jungian patterns and Jungian patients report Jungian patterns and Freudian patients report Freudian pat patterns because they are primed by the minds of their, their mentors, their therapists. Yes. So in this way, we see the double-edged sword of priming, Yeah, uh, where it helps us have a framework for an experience. Like when I saw that owl feather, it primed me, you know, to be excited about connecting with that owl and that they were there. And my research further primed that and my meditations further primed that. But the thing is, uh, as that double-edged sword, sometimes that blinds us to other possibilities of what might be there. So I often recommend to balance that or temper that uh, with something similar to the beginner's mind practice in Zen, uh, which would be uh, what I call kind of uh, being the sponge. So it's simple sponge meditation in nature would be to just plop yourself down somewhere and act as if you don't know anything about that place, even if you do or you don't. But imagine you're just sitting down there and asking the question, what is happening? What is around me right now in this place? And to simply let your senses extend out. Maybe they start close by, start sensing and looking right around you at the patterns, and then let your eyes rove further out, let your ears expand out to the sounds, let your body feel the feelings and smell the scents there and just soak it in. And this is a way to counteract that um, aspect of priming that narrows us down so that we balance that with a bigger view.
Very nice, very nice. Uh, there's a forest near my house in Charlottesville that I've been going to regularly now for maybe 10 years. And I did something very much like that, opening up in the way you described, just being there. I did a lot of thinking in the forest, too. Uh, it's a good place to just let my mind go. But there came a time when I, I seemed to encounter a, a pair of trees, which I ended up calling the king and the queen. And these trees and I began to have a relationship so that I don't know where the priming began. I, I, I'm, I have avocado trees. That's where it started. I've had an avocado tree growing with me since I was in my 20s. It's always been some kind of avocado tree around me in my office at work, in the house, at home. Always an avocado tree around. And, and sometimes I had to replace them because I was moving. And sometimes they didn't make it. So I had another one and I grew them from uh, a seed. Each one of them, I, I was there putting them in the water and watching them get going. And so I was primed with trees for um, many years. And I'm just realizing that's talking to you that so that I was ready to connect with trees, it would seem. So these this pair of trees and I began having a kind of communication. And this is the level that I want to be asking you about. It's one thing to be recognizing the horned toad, the horned owl, the great horned owl. It's another thing to be communicating with these entities out there because you talk about conscious nature nature is conscious and these beings out there are quite conscious and they are wanting to some of them and when they have enough food and they're not doing too much to connect with us because i find them to be curious the animals are curious and they they can sense when uh human beings uh, are open to them and maybe even tuned to the possibility of connecting with them Yes, and it's interesting how many times this phenomenon, not just with the owl has happened to me, but with so many other animals in a similar manner, uh, red foxes, uh, many other animals, you know, not for a lack of being out in the woods. I was always out in that patch of woods, but it was interesting how when I was carrying these questions and this desire to connect with those particular animals, they would eventually appear at very poignant moments uh, in surprising ways. And I have to wonder about this owl. How many times did this owl see me, even though I didn't see it, right? right. Um, no doubt this owl was very aware of me and my presence in that place uh, because I was there so often in its territory. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would never have thought, you know, to go up on that mound to connect with that owl. Uh, but I think because I was in that open space of that sort of sponge awareness uh, that that allowed me to step out of my own notions uh, and, and enter that space of, uh, of a place to meet that owl. Each of the instances you're giving us is about initial encounters. Mm. I, I'm trying to then ask you to talk about uh, ongoing encounters. I'm talking mm. about conscious interaction with the beings in the forest. Mm. Yes. Uh, and to me, this comes through that engagement of continuing the dialogue, right? So deepening the questions, um, that encounter opened up a whole new set of questions about owls and their behavior. And also, uh, what is the gift of the owl? You know, that became a question like, what is the quality of this being, um, that I'm encountering here? And so as I started to observe them more and connect with them more, I started to get a sense uh, of this communication you're talking about there. Um, and I started to feel a transfer into my own movements of how I move through the forest, kind of like the owl staging myself in different places very intentionally, the way the owl moves towards its hunting grounds uh, with different posts uh, where they can survey. Uh, and I started to find myself doing this, where I would pause at certain places very strategically and just move into silence and observe the forest before moving on. Um, and also that sense of timing, uh, timing and right place that the owl has. It just uh, has these moments where it moves through an area at just the right moment in the right light, the right conditions to do what it needs to do. Um, and I started to feel some kind of mysterious transfer of that into my own patterning uh, as I interacted deeper with that owl. How about... Um conscious interaction with the owls. Mm. 
Well, I feel like in a way this is kind of getting at that, but in a sideways way. Yeah, yeah. I'm it, talking it, about. Yeah, um, see, yeah, I can see that as kind of as a sideways because you're you're kind of mimicking the owl's behavior, kind of tuning into what the owl does. Yes, exactly. Tuning into the pattern of being. Yes. Uh, there. And so you could say that's a level of communication. It's not so much the level of, okay, Al, what are you up to today? What are you thinking about today? But also, <laughs> you know, the larger, I would say it's a larger picture communication um, on a meta level. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, well, we're coming to the end of this segment. We're, we're talking with Josh Lane, uh, author of Conscious Nature, The Art and Neuroscience of Meditating in Nature. your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the goal for it online course the course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success go to findhiddenmoney.com if you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost bigfoot lake monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated contact me rob mcconnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on skype xzone radio tv for more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. This is Connecting with Coincidence. We are talking with Josh Lane about his ability to teach people to connect more with nature, which is certainly a very, very important thing for us to be able to recognize doing in this time of uh, 
COVID-19. What I'm trying to see what I can, where I can meet you with Josh, is this, is this direct conscious telepathic communication with uh, aspects of nature, since I've experienced that when I go out to the forest in various ways. Uh, I I dance with these trees. I have danced with these trees. They've they've introduced me to other trees that I had never seen, even though I was staring right at them. And through these two trees, I've become much more connected to the forest itself. And I had been before in it, but in a different way. So uh, th- what you're doing is r- remarkably wonderful to get into the specific animals, the owls and others, and becoming like them, um, being empathic in your behavior with them. So I'm trying to see if there's so where where there's a connection between yeah what you were saying okay owl what are you doing today what's happening I don't mean quite like that but something like that especially when the owl might have symbolic meaning to you. Mm, yes, now, one one area of overlap I see here is in the art of tracking, and I've encountered many elders from around the world in different tracking lineages who shared this story and the idea that you know because everything is energy. Uh, each animal has a specific frequency or energy. And oh, as, oh, as it lays oh, down its trail, as it makes its yeah. tracks, it's leaving, uh, you could say, a residue of that vibration in its yeah. tracks across yeah, yeah. the baseline of nature. And yeah. as we trail the animal, as we connect with it in these moments, we're absorbing or resonating with an aspect of that frequency. Um, so we're entering the consciousness, you could say, a bit of that animal. Um, along with that, there's a wisdom, there's an understanding that animal has of how it survives and thrives in the world. That's its unique strategy. So each animal has something to teach us in that way that we can also apply in our lives. So, you know, I, I touched on a few of those qualities of the owl, um, of being in the right time at the right place and, uh, surveying and moving through a place without causing disturbance. Um, so those were a few of those resonances that I touched on, but, you know, one thing I find that's helpful is uh, to understand the baseline of a place or of an animal. What does it want to be doing? Like, what is this natural behavior? And then when we understand that, we start to understand the resonance of that. Um, we start to also pick up on when is something off? Like, when is that animal uh, not in its baseline? When is it being pushed or pulled from that for a reason? Um, and so a communication starts to come through in that way. And one uh, tangible example of this is I used to track the black-tailed deer a lot in California on the coastline. And deer spend most of their time walking. You know, they're grazers, and they're going to work their way along an area very casually, pausing off in the feed uh, and eventually laying down to chew their cud. And there was one little narrow strip of trail in this park uh, where there was a drop-off on one side, And then the other side of it had a a little 10-foot cliff right above it that was very steep. And it was, you know, a 30, 40-foot section of trail uh, that constricted down to this point. And I noticed that the deer always trotted through this area. Uh, I'd always find their tracks trotting through. And as I tuned into their tracks one day, I got this image of a mountain lion and this extreme feeling of concern. Uh, came through me like this impulse to move fast and I found my own body trotting right through there as I was looking at those tracks in the corner of my eye Uh, so I felt that was a a communication from the deer through those tracks about why they move that way in that place because it's very dangerous for them so they want to get through there more quickly because there could be a lion on that perch overhead Um, so things like this start to happen so you you tune into the vibration of the animal in the place and in that way pick up its intention and its intention what it's really trying to be able to do that is very very cool to be able to to align yourself to the vibrational activity in various parts of the forest as laid down by the various animals what about the owls being able to see things at night to to travel through the dark and mm. make, make things happen. What do you learn from that? Yeah, uh, well, I've certainly spent a lot of time moving at night on very dark nights. And one thing I've learned about owls is that their hearing 
is extremely acute and they have the, their ears offset. One is a little bit higher than the other so that they can really pinpoint sound in the darkness as well. Um, and so a great practice uh, that's helped me attune to that more is simply listening for the quietest sound. Um, going into a place, whether sitting in the dark or anywhere, just closing my eyes and just asking, okay, out of all the sounds right now, which one is the quietest or the furthest or the you know, most subtle to perceive? And that starts to bring us more into that consciousness of the owl. Uh, and when we do that, I find that uh, we start to open up to a larger perception that that owl consciousness, um, it really does expand us. And many of my uh, folks that I've mentored find that when they step into that mindset of the owl, into that vibration, that all of their senses expand as well, uh, along with that one sense. It's a form of priming. It's tuning, making some parts of your brain work that we wouldn't otherwise have known to by imitating what the owl does or trying to copy what the owl does. Mm, yeah, it, the owl is inviting us, and each animal really, is inviting us to step out of our known familiar pattern because we uh, restrict ourselves in many ways through our, our enculturation of what's important to focus on out of all the things we can focus on. Uh, it really restricts down to quite a narrow band within our perceptual field. So each animal, uh, you know, some animals are more uh, olfactory. They're using their nose to sense the world. If we step into what it's like to be a bear or a dog, um, and connect on that level with our environment, there's going to be a whole new set of information that comes into our field of uh, perception that we might otherwise ignore. So right. really each animal, yeah, it's inviting us to expand. Expand our consciousness, expand our ability to perceive. So what do, what do we do about, say, somebody who is um, in, stuck inside in a control room at a radio and TV station who just doesn't get out? Who's, uh, who's within a lot of electronics, um, making a lot of decisions about how things are need to go, and doesn't get out into the forest, does not get into expanding his consciousness through the way animals can teach him to do. So how, what does a guy like that do? Sure, yeah, this is the big concern today for so many of us with our, with our life patterns now. One thing I, I start with, and I really emphasize this in Conscious Nature in the book, is that we are nature. So, you know, just that fact of tuning into our own body, for instance, if you take a breath, breathing that air in and just sensing all the trees, all the algae, all the different things that have contributed to that breath that's moving in you, perhaps all the animals that have breathed that breath <laughs> over the years and feeling that infusing you. And then as you exhale and relax, I invite you to just relax into your body and feel that tug of the earth beneath you that's there no matter whether you're in that radio control room or anywhere else that connection with the earth is right there all the time and just sink into that for a moment and feel that feel your bones as a literal extension of the earth of the made of the minerals uh, of the earth and to feel that fire of your metabolism that warmth inside of you just like the sun that warms the earth and the fluid of of your blood and your tissue that water that moves through things. So right there, you know, that's as far as we have to go to start that connection process, to open that up. And then just to go, even to just look out the window for a minute or on a break, I like to just step out the door and just go into my peripheral vision, expand my vision with soft eyes and just take in the sights, the big picture around me, listen into the distance, feel my skin and the breeze on it. And right there, that kind of keeps us in tune so that we're, when we have these moments available to connect more deeply with nature, we're, we're already halfway there. In these times, um, it may be possible to go outside. Some people can't, um, but can to feel the breeze, uh, to feel the inside, feel the blood coursing through your your veins and your arteries and try to imagine the earth uh, beneath your feet, even if you're up uh, three, four stories or higher. There are also some other animals around uh, called other human beings. How can your, how can their presence help you get more tuned in, in the way you're talking about? Mm. One of the biggest things I see is the art of uh, storytelling and sharing stories. We have a innate uh, need as social animals to share our stories and observations 
so any little thing that we see in the backyard or wherever we are, if we are able to take a walk in the park or down the street for a little bit, um, these are opportunities to harvest stories from nature, to keep our senses attuned and invite little moments of connection, whether it's a bird flying by or just feeling the breeze in our face uh, and noting the direction it's coming from or peering up at the stars at night or seeing the moon and what phase it's in. Uh, these are opportunities to connect and these are opportunities for little stories we can share with the people in our lives um, and build a little routine of, you know, what are we connecting with in nature? What are we noticing right now? Um, and as we do that, we can bring that back with all of our sensory memory. We can, you know, really see the moon that we saw, bring it back in our mind's eye. What phase was it in? And really You're, bring back the feeling of the breeze. You, you have such a wonderful connection with nature, and you're able to bring it all back to nature. And the stories that you're describing are about stories about nature. Uh, and not everybody gets out the way you do and can sense nature in the detail you do. And we'll continue with that in our next segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Josh Lane. abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com right S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Josh Lane, and we're, we're getting out, we've been getting out in nature. 
we've been tracking owls and other animals. And so important to remember that animals leave uh, energy signatures. Each animal has a kind of signature that is its own, its type of, its specific animal, but also the type of animal it is. And that means us human beings are doing the same thing. We each have energy signatures as well, which we can pick up from each other. And that going out in nature can open us up to the possibility that we also are part of nature, us human beings are part of nature. And each of us, yes, has a human being energy signature, but we also have one that's particularly our own. And I, I because I'm a therapist, Josh, I I find it very important to recognize these energy these energy similarities and differences with people. And because I like to dance, which I can't do anymore because of COVID-19 for now anyway, uh, I like picking up energy from other people. Now, I've been criticized by Psychology Today that I do a blog for talking about interpersonal energy uh, because it's not scientific enough. Uh, and I think it's so real, but how do we make that, those energy signatures, real enough so that people who are stuck in materialistic science ways of thinking about it can see that we are energy creatures interacting with each other? Mm. I like to start on the level of mirror neurons, right? Uh, and this plays into nature connection. As we observe a bird or animal, we can start to get a sense of its mood. I mentioned understanding the baseline, like what does the deer want to be doing? And then when it's trotting, you know, that's a break from that baseline. So it's telling us something about its state. And we can pick that up as we read the tracks. We can feel that in our body uh, and learn to do that with our mirror neuron system. And, of course, this plays in with the people in our lives. We know, you know, if we know somebody well, we know how they usually are. And we can probably tell very quickly within a second or two in an interaction if somebody's off of their usual baseline. So, this is a great practice, just extending that to those around us, tracking, you know, like when are people uh, in their calm, relaxed space and what contributes to that? Maybe we can help support that uh, and also for ourselves, too. You know, when when are we in our baseline where we feel our most comfortable and relaxed and what are some little things we can do to bring into our life uh, that helps us be in that more spacious aspect of our nature um, which can be more challenging at these times, but that makes it all the more an important question. And how do we help each other do that? Mm -hmm. You know, one way I see is uh, if I walk into a room and I notice that my body suddenly changes and it's feeling, uh, sometimes I might notice that I'm picking up something from somebody else. Like, wow, that was a rapid shift in my state. I tune into that and I ask myself, you know, am I feeling that anxiousness or is that somebody else? Am I picking that up? And if it's somebody else, I might talk with them and just ask them, you know, how are you doing? You know, what's going on in your life? Um, is there anything I can do to support you right now? Um, so that's one way. Uh, the other big one, and I talk about this in the book a lot more, is accessing uh, that meditative state every day. That's the state that helps us. I certainly see it in my own life and those I work with. Um, that state of the quiet mind, that, that state of spaciousness of the owl, uh, getting into that state helps us connect outdoors, but it helps us connect with ourselves and with the people around us to be more empathic uh, to those energetic states. So a big one would be uh, finding a practice that allows you to get into the quiet mind every day just for a few minutes, um, which could be simply listening for the quietest sound, simply stopping, listening to your breath, feeling your breath, and listening to the space around you, to the little sounds in the room, or to the sounds in the rooms beyond you or outside the window, and just the tuning to that. And this starts to create a spaciousness inside of us that gives us the room to tune into those energetic signatures in the first place. Um, so that would be a big one, would be a meditation practice of some kind. Yeah. Um, much of what you've talked about um, is about the person about the self, I'll say, the individual, uh, maybe picking up stuff from the environment, picking up energy from the environment, picking up patterns from the environment. Uh, what I'm looking for now is uh, the, the way in which your experiences, your observations, your beautifully articulated experiences 
can help people connect with each other more, which is so necessary in this time uh, that I, I recognize, I recognize more and more people to recognize that we share a consciousness. We are not just individual islands experiencing what's around us, but we are part of a, a greater pool of consciousness and energy of which all of us connect and are part of and draw from. Mm. We can take a lesson from the owl here and directly apply this. So the owl um, approaching the forest, right? The owl is moving through the forest from its roost uh, out into the meadow, but it's it's very aware as it does this. It doesn't just blunder out there. It's paying attention. It's checking out the vibe. Um, so as we approach people, you know, if we're coming in uh, into a room to talk with our family and we've been working, um, I do emphasize that self-awareness first of just how are we feeling and what are we projecting, right? What is our energy projection onto those around us, you know, what state are we carrying into that interaction? Just being aware of that is a big first step. But then to be like the owl as we approach, you know, uh, to just check out, like, how is this other person doing? Um, to carry that question and to not project everything forward, but to be in a state of balance where we're sensing from them and we're sensing from us. And we're then able to feel that interaction in between us and dance with that uh, more effectively. So that would be one lesson from the owl uh, that we could start to apply. Um, and then in that, you know, there's that potential of uh, sharing the stories and maybe cultivating a story sharing practice for the people in our lives every day, uh, picking a moment to really uh, bring full awareness to something and, and practice deep listening on one side, um, but then practice the art of uh, telling the story with all of our senses on the other side. So the two together uh, are creating a full interaction that has meaning. Um, and then asking some questions of each other, too, of those stories. Yeah, I want to emphasize the storytelling part of this, because at the top of the show, I talked about the purpose of the Coincidence Project, as I'm calling it, to, is to encourage people to tell their coincidence, their synchronicity stories. And that doesn't mean just those, but it means a lot of those because they happen with people uh, fairly regularly. It's clear from personal experience, but my research as well, is that a lot of people experience coincidences. And if you start telling people stories about coincidences, you're going to hear stories back from them. And that's that and something about stories that we're both emphasizing here help bond people. I, I don't know how that works, but it works. Yeah, you know, in a way, we're getting back to the priming part, right? We're priming ourselves to be aware of synchronicity, to appreciate it uh, more through stories this way. Um, but there's also a phenomenon of resonance within the mind of the storyteller and of the listener that the state that the storyteller is in uh, is being found through different studies now to actually be mirrored in the state of the listener. So ah, if we can right, bring yeah, back, yeah. you know, even if we have a yeah. nature moment from 10 years ago, if yeah. we can bring that back powerfully through our story and re-experience the magic of that synchronicity, we actually literally invite that state back into our being and we further invite that state for the listener to be able to access as well. That is a well said, Josh. Uh, I hadn't thought about the, the neuroscience of that. And mirror neurons are one way to look at it. Uh, whatever we mean by empathy is another, but energy sharing is another. Just even telling the story and imagining it, however it happens, let me say floods the listener who might be open to it, to the energy patterns that the, the, the storyteller is, is speaking and imagining. And you're so right about if you tell the story about something that's emotionally charged for you, you bring it back in your consciousness and that conveys that experience much more fully because it's emotionally charged with good patterns that are clear from your experience into the other person. And they can identify with it and re-experience with you what you are re-experiencing. Mm. You could say in a way, perhaps we're each a node of a larger synchronicity network. Like for instance, you have the tree stories, right? And I have the owl stories. And when we share stories in a deep way and bring those moments back to life, 
in a sense, we're activating that entire synchronicity network that, that we're part of in a deep way. We're inviting the listener to share in that, to expand, and then they can do the same for us. You just have expanded for me my ability to think about the other animals in the forest, the animals in the forest, because I have been a tree guy. Um, I have been a tree guy for a long time, I realized, and I've been a tree guy for 10 years with the ones in the forest. But there are other animals in there uh, and snakes and run across some snakes hanging around on the path, uh, sunning themselves during the summer and almost stepping on one. Oh, God, a rattlesnake it was. Mm. Glad I missed that guy. He was just having a good time warming himself up. So you, your stories have expanded for our listeners their ability to be able to go out into the forest and open themselves up to the energy tracks of other animals. So that's a wonderful contribution, Josh. Oh, well, thank you for the uh, invitation to share and connect with everybody here today. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's encourage our people listening to tell each other those stories of coincidences and other experiences that connect you more with nature and with, with each other. You've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD. We've been spoke, speaking with Josh Lane, the author of Conscious Nature, the Art and Neuroscience of Meditating in Nature.